This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. It's human nature for people to want to sell when they get into an interview, and yet so unnatural to sit and just not say anything. Frankly, a good interviewer, a good HR executive might pose the question, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. And I always advise, that's a fair question for them to ask, but your answer ought to be really short and flip it back on them by saying, listen, you know, you have my resume, this is what I've done. I'm really interested in this role. Could you tell me more about the role? Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss how to ace a job interview if you're getting back into the market. Then we're going to learn about the truth about collagen. And lastly, we're going to get an insider's view on the local restaurant trends. But first, a little bit of business. Support for today's show comes from ZSA Legal Recruitment. They're Canada's largest national legal search firm. They specialize in recruiting lawyers, legal support staff, and law firm management for companies and law firms across the country. ZSA works with employers in every area of the legal industry, and they know about job opportunities before many of their competitors. They'll use their extensive network to help you take the next step in your career and secure your dream job. Whether you're looking for a new job or an employer trying to expand your legal team, ZSA is your one-stop shop for anything legal. Visit zsa.ca to learn more. My first guest, Warren Bongard, practiced law on Bay Street and established a professional sports agency firm specializing in the representation of NHL players in the early 1990s. After realizing he was fulfilling his parents' dream and not his own, he decided to test his entrepreneurial abilities by establishing his own lawyer recruitment business. He co-founded ZSA Legal Recruitment in 1997. Warren manages lawyer recruitment operations and focuses his practice on partner-level hires, special in-house assignments, and law firm mergers. Warren's experience and track record makes him a sought-after speaker on the subject of legal recruitment, retention, and law firm management. Hey, Warren, how are you? Great, Jamie. Nice to see you. You're going to give us some advice about how to act in a job interview if you're getting back into the market. But really, this information pertains to everyone, right? Absolutely. So first impressions are key. Why is the first five minutes of a job interview so very important? I'm glad you asked that question because I think most people will deny this if you ask them, but I believe most are cut from the same cloth. And that is we all form judgments within the first five minutes of meeting somebody. And that is why, in my opinion, it is so important to perform within the first five minutes and to be on your game. There's a novel by uh, Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, uh, one of my favorite books. And uh, he sort of confirms my notion that we all make these judgments within the first five minutes, if not the first 30 seconds. You know, it's similar with the magazine because when people send me articles, 95% of the editing that I do is in the first paragraph. Because if people don't dig the first paragraph of the article, they're not going to finish reading the whole article. Absolutely agree. You've got to get your reader involved quickly. What's the most important thing to do at a job interview? I think the first thing, you know, people ask me about thank you notes and all the things you should do after the interview. And I think the most important thing is focus on the first five minutes, because if you don't get past that initial human nature judgment that I mentioned, you're likely not going to get past or worried about the thank you note. So 
three simple things, in my opinion, uh, in the first five minutes and the most obvious, don't be late. I yeah, mean, that, that is just the biggest no-no in a, in a job interview. Number two, and this may sound a little bit strange for most people, but when I go visit clients or visit people and I'm in the reception waiting, I'm never sitting. And that sounds a little silly, but when I'm standing, I feel like when they arrive to greet me, I'm at the same eye contact level. I feel much more engaged. And I feel like if you're sitting, you're getting up, you're already fumbling for something, and it's a bit of a weak position. Lastly, I think maintaining good eye contact throughout the job interview, people forget about that quickly and because they're nervous or for whatever reason. And if you fail on those three fronts, the odds are you're not going to do great in the interview. So those are the first three critical things. Wow. So all these are nonverbal, right? Absolutely. Body language, et cetera. Those are the things that really interviewers are thinking about, and they may not be consciously thinking about them, but I can guarantee you they will enable them to form that sort of quick snap judgment. What else should we do in the interview? Once we get past the body language and being on time and and listening, what else can we do? I think it's so important in the first, uh, let's say, 10 to 15 minutes of the job interview that the interviewer is doing more of the talking than you. And the reason for that is for you to listen so carefully to what they have to say about the job that you're interviewing for, you also learn their speed of speech, you learn their body language, their eye contact, the volume of their speech, all these things you are trying to mirror match within a job interview setting. And so by doing so in the first 15 minutes, you're also listening to what the job's about so that you can correspondingly answer appropriately as opposed to going off on tangents that the interviewer may not be so interested in. Right. Back when I was practicing law, I was on the interview committee for the articling students, which I think you did for a time at your firm. And it's amazing. People come in and they think they want to sell themselves and be super interesting. And from an interviewer's perspective, all you're trying to do is see if they're the right fit in terms of their character and what you see on the resume, does it reflect in person? You want it, it has to correspond. And when it doesn't, it, there's a dissonance. Am, am I right? A- absolutely. And I think it's amazing how it's human nature for people to want to sell when they get into an interview. And yet, and it's so unnatural to sit and just not say anything. And in, frankly, a good interviewer, a good HR executive might pose the question, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. And I always advise my candidates that are going out to interview with my clients and saying, look, that's a fair question for them to ask, but your answer ought to be really short and flip it back on them by saying, listen, you know, you have my resume. This is what I've done. I'm really interested in this role. Could you tell me more about the role? Or can you tell me more about the company? Those are the things that you want the interviewer talking about. They love talking about themselves or about their own company. And it gives you a chance to sort of assess, as I said earlier, the speed of speech, the body language, et cetera. Do you suggest that people don't talk too much about themselves because they're going to give away information that may not be appropriate? Or is it more task-oriented and result-oriented in that if you want the job, you kind of have to play the game? You absolutely have to play the game. And you really have to think about these things. And um, one of the things that I've learned from my HR executive clients, and they've shared some of these, and I think these are secrets that... I probably ought not share on the radio, but I'm going to anyway. All right. This is the scoop. Here, Here we go. Here we go. This is the scoop. Good HR executives will, will do this in most interviews. They will lull you into a false sense of security. You will almost feel like you're interviewing with your pal. And the minute they get to that stage, they're thrilled because all of a sudden you let your guard down and comments will start coming out of you where you feel almost like you're at a bar with a friend as opposed to in a job interview. And a good HR executive will get you to say things that you ought not say in an interview and it enables them to make other judgments on you, some of which may not be so positive. 
negative. And so don't fall for that trick. It's a great trick that HRs pull, and I, I'm impressed by it to this day, and it works. But candidates need to be on their feet and on their toes all the time and in that mode of job interview as opposed to feeling like you're hanging out with a friend. The takeaway point, what I'm hearing from you is on a job interview, you should actually be playing defense as opposed to offense, right, if you want to take a sports analogy, Absolutely. Right? It couldn't be more accurate. And as I said, job interviews really are looking for you to go off on tangents and do things that they don't like so they can quickly dismiss you. And it's not that they're trying to be negative. I think it's it's them hoping to find the right candidate. And one of the best tricks and one of the common questions I get in my role is, hey, you know, what, what if they ask me if I have any questions? And in my view, the best answer to that question is, listen, you've chosen to interview me for this role. What inspired you about my resume to bring me in today? And that is a great question. It shows that you're paying attention. It shows that you're interested in the particular task and job at hand, and it enables them to respond accordingly. And it makes you look fantastic, in my opinion. That's great advice. What are some mistakes that people make when they're in an interview? that can be fatal to the interview? Well, I think poor eye contact, as I mentioned earlier, is so important and maintaining it throughout. It's easy to do it in the first couple of minutes, but you've got to maintain that sort of engagement level. And finally, I think towards the end of the interview, if you've been there an hour and you can't actually or haven't had a chance to speak about yourself or about your task and how it fits with the job, you've probably failed and you need to flip that task over back to the interviewer. Okay, one last question. Post-interview, people are frequently write thank you notes. What would be your advice to do this the right way? Totally appropriate. Keep it short and sweet. The risk of going into lengthy thank you notes is you're going to likely make a a grammatical mistake, first of all. And second of all, keep it short and sweet and ensure that it is less than maybe two to three lines. Great advice. Thank you for coming on the show today. We've got to take a break, but we hope to have you on again soon. When we come back, we're going to learn all about the truth about collagen on the tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Busson, publisher of Tonic Magazine and host of the Tonic Talk Show on Zoomer Radio, and also the host of the OMCO Yoga Festival. Please join us at the Historic Distillery District on Sunday, June 24th for a full day of free outdoor yoga classes taught by the top yoga instructors in the city. All levels, all ages. OMTO. All you need is a mat and your good intentions. For more information, please visit omto.ca. I'd like to give a shout out to NuvoCare Health Sciences. NuvoCare is a Canadian-owned and operated nutraceutical company and a leader in research and development of evidence-based natural health products, supported by real science and approved by Health Canada. NuvoCare's mission is to provide products that truly make a positive difference in people's lives. To accomplish this, NuvoCare follows three core values in the development of every brand. Number one, all products use the exact ingredients used in clinical research. Number two, the products deliver the precise dosage used in the research. And number three, all NuvoCare products are 100% filler-free. Since 2007, NuvoCare has provided customers with the most advanced anti-aging, weight management, and healthy lifestyle solutions that bring true value to people's lives. For more information, please visit NuvoCare.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ryan Foley has dedicated his entire life to the health and fitness industry. Inspired by his mother at an early age with the old adage, you are what you eat, Ryan's passion is unlocking the healing powers locked within plants and identifying their health benefits. Ryan has a degree in food and drug sciences and has spent 15 years in research and development work for the largest nutraceutical companies in North America before starting NuvoCare in 2007. 
As a husband and new father, Ryan's goal is to help his customers optimize their health and beauty using research-based supplementation along with regular exercise and proper nutrition. He can be reached at rfoley at nuvacare.com. Ryan, welcome. Hey, Jamie. How are you doing? Good. So there's a lot of buzz around about collagen, right? Yeah, collagen. Just to give you a little bit of background on collagen, collagen is actually the most abundant protein in the human body, making up between 25 and 35% of the protein content in our body. Wow. It's actually the main structural component within all connective tissues, primarily being our skin, our joints, our bone, and even our gut, which is extremely important in health these days. So basically, uh, the most important thing that we're going to talk about today is really skin health and how it relates to collagen. The skin, the dermal region of the skin, is actually 75% collagen content, making it an extremely important aspect of healthy skin. And essentially what collagen is, is it's three amino acid structures bound and wrapped, and this makes a strong triple helix. And this is what makes collagen a very strong structure. Okay. Why would somebody want to supplement collagen? Your body can actually synthesize its own collagen from the amino acids we get from our food. Oh. On the downside is, as our body ages, your body begins to decline its ability to produce this collagen. Let me give you some background on that. Sure. By the age of 30, your collagen production or collagen levels in your body, I should say, decline by 1% to 2% every year. By age 40, Mm -hmm. uh, the total collagen in your body has declined between 20 to 25%. And to also put something further into perspective is your body also has enzymes that actually make it even harder by breaking down collagen. In addition, and last but not least, there's environmental factors such as pollution, free radicals, and even the sun that continue to bombard collagen and breaking it down, ultimately reducing its content in the body. I noticed you didn't even get to the 50s. The 50s all bets are off, right? (laughs) 50s is is when there's wrinkles set in, the the joints are hurting. Exactly. Oh, tell me about it. I don't need you to tell me about what hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That's all because collagen is depleting in the body. Okay. There's my answer. Here I thought it was because I was working out too much, but it's collagen. (laughs) Okay. So there seems to be a bit of a debate, though, about collagen sources. So there's beef or bovine collagen source, Mm -hmm. and then there's fish or marine source collagen. Can you shed some light on the preferences and what that's all about? Let me first point out that the fact that both beef and cows and humans are the same species. We're both mammals. Right. Whereas fish is a marine, it's a, it's a completely different species. Correct. On that note, the amino acid profile in beef hide and human skin is almost identical. Okay. Um, based on that premise alone, if you were to you know, supplement with beef collagen, you would be getting a better amino acid profile that's more in line with your own body's amino acid profile for collagen. Okay. That being said... I'm still a big advocate. It's not about the amount of collagen you take. It's all about the collagen peptide size and amount that you take that matters. So it's the quality. Yeah, it's the quality. It's the collagen peptide size because collagen essentially, which is gelatin, gelatin is collagen. They're almost synonymous. When you hydrolyze and break down collagen, Mm -hmm. you break it down into smaller peptides, also known as like pieces of protein from the collagen strands. Okay. Now, What's important to note is that each one of these different types of protein strands actually has a different bioactive or therapeutic function in the body. In other words, not all collagen peptides are created equal. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. Whether it's bovine or fish, it boils down to the collagen peptides, but I'm still a firm believer that your starting source should be bovine. Okay. Just based on the premise that the amino acid profile is almost identical to the skin amino acid profile 
of human beings. Okay. So the takeaway point is all things being equal, go bovine. But beyond that, it's the nature of the peptides and the protein chains that are really going to impact how it impacts your health. Precisely. Awesome. Okay. So what are collagen peptides and why might these be better choice than just taking collagen? So basically, like I touched on earlier, is basically collagen goes through a hydrolyzation process. It's essentially you take collagen and you basically cut out certain pieces of collagen forming peptides. Okay. So, and again, what's important to know, and I noted this before, is that each of these collagen peptides, based on how they're extracted or how they're isolated out, essentially, they all have different therapeutic functions. For example, one collagen peptide might be much more powerful at stimulating fibroblasts in the skin to produce collagen elastin. In fact, at NuvoCare, we have a product that is precisely that. Whereas another collagen peptide might be better at improving joint health. So it's really about the collagen peptide, and it's also about the collagen peptide size. For example, 2.0 is a, a molecular weight that has been shown in a lot of research to support improvements in skin health. But it really still boils down to collagen peptides are, it's the peptide size that matters, and it's also that there's much smaller than normal-sized peptides or normal-sized proteins. Okay, we have time for one more question. What would be your top tip or tips for somebody who's looking to buy collagen? Yeah. So, I mean, it really comes down to the molecular size of the collagen peptide. Um, Like I mentioned before, each collagen peptide has a different function and functionality. What I recommend you do is you look for a bioactive collagen peptide standardized for a 2.0 kilodalton molecular weight. This is the exact collagen peptide that was studied extensively by a German company. Um, It now has four published clinicals, one of which was conducted on 114 women. It was between 45 and 65 years old. And the amazing thing about it, this collagen peptide actually turned on fibroblasts to produce collagen and elastin by up to 65% increase in collagen production and an 18% increase in elastin. And that equated to an average reduction in wrinkle appearance by 20.1% simply after taking two and a half grams of this bioactive collagen peptide standardized for 2.0 for 60 days. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming in today. We hope to have you back another time. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate it. When we return, we're going to get an insider's view of restaurant trends in Toronto on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Busson, host of The Tonic. I just wanted to take a moment to thank our fantastic sponsors, Purica, Purely Natural, Omega Alpha, and the Benvenuto Group. They're all Canadian-owned and Canadian-managed companies, and I'm proud to work with all these industry leaders. For more information about our partners, or to find out how you can become a sponsor of The Tonic, please visit thetonic.ca. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson, and I'm the publisher of Tonic Magazine and the host of The Tonic. I just wanted to remind you that The Tonic Talk Show is brought to you by Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness publication that I've been putting out for over 10 years. We're available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods, all in Toronto. You can learn more about the magazine by visiting our website, tonictoronto.com. And if you ever miss an episode of The Tonic, you can also hear it there. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Vito Marinuzzi was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way through nepotism. His cousin, Gio Rana, the man behind the nose, hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser and later gave him a shot as a waiter. 
Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get people to try the good stuff, and he did. Now, as co-owner with his famous mom of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, Vito knows the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Vito, welcome. Thank you. So we're here today to get an insider's view of restaurants and the way they work and trends in the city. We up for it today? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, you know, I publish a health magazine and I'm always interested when I go into restaurants, you know, what they have on the menu, how they're trying to serve people. And, you know, obviously people want healthy choices on the menu, but does that pose a challenge for a restaurateur? I wouldn't say it poses a challenge. I mean, over the years it's changed. If you took the last 15 years, which is my little bubble. Right. You may have made a salad 10 years ago, but you would have fried the piece of fish to put on it, whereas now you would grill the piece of fish. And that's kind of the way the industry, I think, is now, and the public wants it that way. But there's also this weird thing where people want to see healthy choices on the menu. They want the calorie count on the menu, but then they still choose the veal parm or the fried eggplants because they just want to know that that's an option. Yeah, they want they want to be able to touch and feel it. <laughs> right. But they don't really want to eat the healthy yeah, food. They'll tell their friends, oh, there's great healthy options there, but they'll still come in and have meatballs, which is fine. Does anybody order the healthy stuff? I mean, truthfully. Yeah, truthfully, yes, absolutely. It's not the best seller, but there's always, I mean, in today's society, I mean, I'm 45. Anybody in my age group is ordering the healthy choice. I'm not. One out of I every refuse. three. I'm a holdout. <laughs> you, with tonic. When I, when, <laughs> I know. When I come to your place, yes, I'm having the grilled fish, and yes, you know, I'm, I'm having salads, but I, so, you know, I got to have the pasta. I got to have the lasagna. If you're a regular and you're eating at the restaurant three times a week or two times a week or even once a week, then that's where you're starting to eat the healthy choices once in a while. For sure. The weekend visitor once a month, sure, they're going lasagna, meatballs, fried eggplant, fried calamari, whatever the signature items are. Are people interested in whether you're sourcing locally or getting organics? Do you, do you get a lot of that? Yeah, I mean, that's also gone through a change. At one point, organic was super important. Right. And uh, it was on top of everyone's list. And then we made this beautiful move to local being more important than organic. And of course, there's local and organic. But right. I think local is much more important than organic. Uh, supporting the local farmers, whether it be through wine, meat, vegetables... That's become important, and people want to know, to a certain extent, where it came from, or at least that it is local. They don't need to know the guy's name, but that's become quite popular. (laughs) You know, truthfully, I I love my food, but I don't really care if Bob is growing it or not. As long as it's from Canada, I think people are happy. Ontario, even better. Is it hard to source locally, though? Not anymore. There's everything available locally now. Uh, There's certain times of the year where it becomes difficult, and your menu maybe takes a dive one way because you can't get fresh lettuces or tomatoes, and so you're stuck. And in Italian cuisine, tomatoes are paramount, so we are stuck. What other challenges are there in operating a restaurant? You know, we can get a little political here, a little, (laughs) little bit. I mean, everything has gone up this year. Right. At one time, you know, the challenges were competitors. The challenges were finding, uh, you know, local product. Now, I'm competing with our own government. It's become impossible. I don't want to say impossible, but in 14 years, we've seen a real estate crisis. We've seen it in a recession, SARS. I mean, you name it. There's been an up, a down. And now I'm, I'm up against my own government with minimum wage increases, with food cost increases, with rent increases, with high... You know, you can go through the whole list. So I would say in all the years... And all the challenges, this is the most difficult thus far. Well, the restaurant industry is particularly susceptible to minimum wage hikes because so many of the staff that you have, be it the wait staff or the dishwashers or the bussers, you're going to be paying the minimum wage. Right? 100%. Yeah. So automatically overnight, all of a sudden... Everyone um, got a raise. Everybody. And then, you know, maybe the dishwashers, or the junior cooks aren't at minimum wage. 
Well, now they're $1, they want a raise. Of course. So on top of, you know, in our case, 30 or 40% of our staff getting a raise from the government, now I've got 10 or 15% that just want a raise because, yes, they deserve it. So do you pass those costs on to the consumer? How much will your customers bear of price increases? I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I mean, yes, we've raised our prices. A lot of restaurants have gone with uh, shrinking portions, uh, getting more interesting cuts of meat or root vegetables, let's say, at certain times of the year where you, you, know, you can make more money on those items. But... That's all going to come to a head now. So we've increased our prices. We've not adjusted our portions. And we're hoping that, I mean, the spring brings volume and we'll see where it shakes out. But it's not going to be easy. I've been to your restaurant many times. Mm-hmm. And, and, you you know, you've always, you know, you've always done the more interesting cuts of meat already, right? So right. There's not, there's not a lot of latitude. You know, at a high-end restaurant, you can sort of play. But if you're if you're serving, you know, traditional Italian food and and you're not at the top of the market, there's not a lot of room for adjustment. No, a recipe is a recipe. We're stuck with certain cuts of meat and we're not reinventing the wheel. We're doing some of those classics. There was a time where Osabuco was... Almost free. Yeah, and now it's premium. Exactly. Same thing with like briskets, right? Exactly. All, all yeah, remember throw, that? All those throwaway cuts now are, are premium cuts. Yep. Way harder. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what trends are emerging. So that's all the negative stuff. But what, what are you seeing? And like, I know you have your ear to the ground. What are you seeing in terms of new restaurants and, and, and things that excite you? I mean, a massive movement in terms of uh, vegetarian. You know, I mean, every our restaurant probably has... 60% of the menu being vegetarian. Really? I mean, Italian food by default, lots of vegetables and lettuces and beans, uh, beans and like all, I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. So other than our main courses, everything else is almost vegetarian. But as, a, as an industry, we're all moving that way. I mean, plant-based food is everywhere. Is that driven by costs or, or change in preference? No, change in preference. I think we're all eating less meat. And if we are eating meat, we're eating clean meat, whether it be grilled or seared in a pan and not fried. Braised is still popular, thank goodness. But yeah, lots and lots of vegetables. And our farmers are now producing lots and lots more vegetables. So from a local perspective, going towards that vegetarianism it ties right in. Okay. So I know you don't want to necessarily benefit your competitors, but are there one or two restaurants that you've seen that's out there that you would recommend to people looking for delicious food in the city, new and exciting? What would you What would you suggest? Well, now you're really putting me on the spot. Uh, well, I mean, my personal favorite is I think, Bar Isabel. I just yeah. think it's amazing. They push the boundaries. For They're sure. serving some classic items, nice, delicious, rich. One of my favorites. It's unbelievable there. Uh, also an industry favorite. Yeah. Um, but we, like as a family, we tend to eat Asian food a ton, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be uh, ramen or pho or even just classic Chinese food. Uh, but I, uh, I'm not going to recommend any of those guys. There's just too many. <laughs> too many to know. I mean, our city is just has an unbelievable list in that, in that department. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. We'll have to have you back. I'd love to come back. This is great. Awesome. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss detoxing your body and also detoxing from bad relationships. And lastly, self-advocacy in your sexual relationship. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.